Welcome to The Strategic Investor. Join us as we interview some of the world's most productive asset managers and uncover sophisticated and unique investment strategies in the markets. Here is your host, Charlie Wright. Hello and welcome to Strategic Investor Radio on OC Talk Radio, where we bring you investment strategies you are not hearing elsewhere. That's certainly the case today. Our guest is Brian Bursick, founder and CEO of Wonder Capital. That's W-U-N-D-E-R Capital. They are a fintech company or financial technology company focused on financing the solar energy commercial industry. Speaks to us from the headquarters in Boulder, Colorado. Brian, welcome to Strategic Investor Radio. Thanks so much for having me, Charlie. So, Brian, you have a background. You were with Bain and Company uh, pursuing the private equity world. You've worked in financing online commercial lending, and you've led several companies that bring software approaches to new markets. So give us a little of your background in history, will you? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so after college, I found myself in New York City, as you said, at Bain and working with private equity firms, some big Fortune 500 companies. And um frankly, uh, just wasn't that excited about how kind of the big corporate market works. Um, seems really inefficient. I studied economics in school, and part of the reason I like that is, uh, you know, the speed and the efficiency and the meritocracy of it. And um, this was when I was kind of starting to look around and understanding that I, I didn't think big companies uh, were a fit for me. Uh, this was 2007 when the New York startup, you know, scene or market was really starting to rise and grow. Um, and I think now having taken uh, over from Boston as the East Coast hub of startup activity. And so I joined a former Bain partner that I got connected through, through one of my Bain managers who ran a venture capital firm that was investing on the very other end of the spectrum in terms of company type and business stage, which was, uh, you know, very early stage companies raising venture capital rounds, predominantly bringing software to the financial services industry. So the fintech space, as you, as you called it. Um, and did that for, for four years. And, um, you know, frankly, I think anyone who meets daily or weekly with entrepreneurs that are passionate and excited about a market and solving a problem, if you have any inkling of entrepreneurship in you, it, that, that experience over four years will pull it out of you. And so uh, since then, I've been on the operator side, and as you mentioned, uh, a couple of different software companies, but uh, came back to FinTech after having invested there to bring a lot of those techniques um, and learnings to the solar market, which it hadn't to date. Okay, and I understand that you guys are focused on the commercial end of the solar market. So tell us about Wonder Capital, what your business model is. Yeah, absolutely. So um, if people are familiar with some of the marketplace lenders more broadly, the lending clubs of the world, or some of the real estate investment platforms, we play a fairly similar role inside of the solar financing space. We have more than 150 partners in 20 states that are out there every day trying to convince businesses and hospitals and universities and municipalities to put up solar to save money on their power bills. Um, that's the pitch. And those systems often need financing alongside them. Um, our, often, our average borrower request is a little more than half a million dollars. So these are pretty substantial upfront costs. And when you can spread that out over time to balance out the electricity savings that that system is producing, uh, that tends to be a really attractive package. So we give our financing partners a um, debt package, a loan, um, that they can bring to their customers and helps them have a higher close rate. 
And then we pair those borrowing opportunities once we've uh, done a lot of analysis and a lot of underwriting to make sure they're good opportunities. We're actually only approving about 10% of the projects we see right now of the borrower demand, so we're very picky. But once we've decided that those are good projects, we are uh, raising capital into five different funds that we manage that uh, fund those loans and buy the, that debt. So these funds will uh, be the lender to that debt, hold it, manage it, and as that debt portfolio pays out, um, our investors are sitting there getting their, their share of the capital that they contributed. That's in a nutshell what we do. And in terms of you know, how we make money, just like Lending Club and you know, anyone else uh, originating loans, we take a loan origination fee kind of closing fees anyone who's gone through a mortgage process is familiar with. And then we take a small loan servicing fee that's there partially to pay us for our work, but also so the investor knows that even if, God forbid, something happens to wonder down the road, there's a revenue stream to service these portfolios. Um, again, God forbid, we get hit by a comet here at Wonder HQ. So that's how we make money, and um, that's how we fit into the world. And so who are your uh, investors? Who invests with you and why? So if you go to our site, um, you get the impression that we are a crowd finance platform and we're in fact, uh, as far as we can tell, the largest crowd finance platform in the U.S. for solar investing. And that's where we got our start. That's where we got our first about $20 million of investment from was directly from folks investing about, for us, about $26,000 per investment coming onto the website um, using this 2012 Jobs Act that allows, you know, crowd finance platforms to raise in this way, got to a point in terms of track record and AUM and, um, you know, I think the performance of some of those funds that we started to see at first, uh, family offices, some RIAs with high net worths, um, people who, uh, you know, we think of it as they have someone managing their money or they're managing someone's money instead of they're investing directly from their own, from their own coffers. And we launched a fund actually last year dedicated to that audience. And that's now a very substantial portion of uh, the capital raising that we do. And then we're actually um, have worked with a couple of different institutions and are in the process of significantly upgrading our kind of institutional debt facility source, which is, you know, the, the large folks that want to do custom facilities for, let's say, $50 million check sizes or more. So we started as a crowd finance platform, but then once we got uh, some scale and some track record, we've been able to. Uh, walk up the capital curve, uh, if you will, in terms of uh, sophistication and size. So, Brian, when someone invests with you, what are they investing into? What's the nature yeah, of the investment? Is it a bond? Are they investing in your company? What 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 is it they're right. they're, they're buying? So, just like with Lending Club, and they somewhat innovated here in the SEC, you know, because Lending Club was one of the first has has um, a lot of good kind of ground settled on this, but we. Uh, sell something called a payment-dependent note out of these fund vehicles uh, that are standalone, remote bankruptcy LLCs, you know, like, like, like a lot of fund structures. And they sell payment-dependent notes that have a projected yield. And then that fund takes the proceeds from those sales and goes out and builds a debt portfolio that matches those liabilities. So if you had, you know, X percent projected yield on the note, that fund's going to go out and loan at X percent. Right or X percent plus maybe a, you know, 15 basis point, 20 basis point cushion uh, just for any unexpected costs or a mispayment or two. That is the nature of what, you know, you're buying. You're buying a note. It's payment dependent, which means as the debt portfolio pays, you have the claim against those cash flows. And just to be really clear, it's a simple structure. There's no other person in that entity, no one else on the stack. You literally just have a pro rata claim 
that asset class is the only claim, or excuse me, that security class is the only claim against this debt portfolio that's diversified cross-country, cross-developer, cross-hardware, and generating consistent cash flows. Okay. Now, you mentioned um, fintech. The, the only fintech uh, element that I have heard so far has been the crowdfunding, the way that you raise funds. Are there other fintech aspects to what you guys do? Yeah, actually, the, the crowd finance is very much a uh, kind of an adjacency to what our core technology is, which is all around very efficiently, quickly and accurately onboarding, assessing, executing, and then servicing uh, commercial solar financing. And this goes back to my time uh, spending four years as this market was developing. My firm actually um, led, uh, co-led uh, the Series A investment into a uh, company called OnDeck Capital as one of the leaders of broad-based commercial lending. And what those folks showed in the broad-based way, and again, you've seen in places like real estate, is that you can take software to the you know, traditional bespoke project finance processes or how a bank might underwrite this or execute it. And you can gain a lot of efficiencies across the board in terms of data gathering, in terms of filtering that data, in terms of decision support software with underwriting to make sure everyone's focused on the right things um, in executing the deal itself and then the ongoing servicing, as I said. So we actually do all of those things and each one of them, I can speak to kind of what our technology is across those. But basically by being a lot more efficient, what you can do is actually be profitable on much smaller deals. So we end up spending a lot less time per deal and that means we can service a much wider breadth of what our partners bring us than a partner that might need 60 days to get a deal done and needs to have a minimum deal size of a couple million dollars because they have high costs and they you know, get paid on a percentage of the deal generally. So really hard for them to make money on a hundred or 200 or $500,000 loan. And so because of that, we're able to be not only faster, but a lot more expansive in terms of what we can look at and still make money ourselves. So that, that's, that's the core technology that we've built and that's the advantage it gives us in the market. You know, it, it, it sounds like that's a real distinguishing feature of you guys, and, and I appreciate hearing that point. We need to take a quick break here, Brian, uh, and uh, w- when we come back, let's talk about the misconceptions that uh, you and uh, those there at Wonder, uh, <clears throat> that people, that investors have in investing in solar-type projects, and then what are their major objections uh, in, in uh, pursuing those? Again, we're talking with Brian Bursick, founder, CEO of Wonder Capital, a fintech company out of Boulder, Colorado, financing the solar energy commercial space. You're listening to Strategic Investor Radio, and we'll be right back. When you use the Premier Rewards Gold Card from American Express, the rewards points can keep on multiplying. Buy three with triple points on airfare. Buy two with double points on gas and groceries. And a single point for pretty much every other dollar you spend on the card. Then, start choosing from over a million rewards to redeem all those points. Apply today and the annual fee for the first year is on us. Call 1-800-AXP-GOLD or visit AXPGOLD.com. The annual fee for the card is $175. See terms, conditions, and restrictions at AXPGOLD.com. Do you want a free analysis of your inbound marketing? Do you want it in 30 seconds or less? Then check out Marketing Grader, the free marketing tool from HubSpot. It's simple. Just go to marketinggrader.com, enter the URL that you want to analyze, and Marketing Grader will instantly give you a detailed report 
upgrading your lead generation, mobile marketing, social media, competitive benchmarking, and more. It's simple, it's powerful, and it's free. MarketingGrader.com. All right, back to Charlie and his guest. Thank you, Paul. Again, we're talking with Brian Bursick, founder CEO of Wonder Capital, focusing on financing solar energy in industry projects uh, for the commercial industry. Uh, and so tell us, Brian, before we move on to the questions we had mentioned earlier, uh, is there a pent up or a great demand by commercial operations uh, to buy solar. Uh, you know, I, I've never heard much about solar for the commercial industry. Typically, you hear about it for homeowners and, and the like. Uh, are they flocking to this? Do they have to be talked into it? Are there reasons why this is more difficult for them than for residential people? Uh, tell us about that. Yeah. So um, to be honest, the reason that we're focused on financing specifically is because financing has been identified by our industry as the biggest barrier to the growth of the commercial space. And to frame up how the commercial space has grown relative to residential, in the last four years or 2012 to 2016, um, residential grew more than 5x, so absolutely exploded. Um, commercial grew really nicely. A lot of industries would love their growth. They grew about 1.5x, not nearly the pace of residential growth. And a lot of that is just they go talk to an installer um, in the absence of someone doing the kind of work that, that we're doing um, to automate that process and get financing to a lot of these smaller deals. A lot of those partners or you know, the, all the folks in the country that aren't partners of ours, they don't really have anything to offer a business that might want a quarter million dollar or half million dollar solar system besides you got to figure it out yourself or you can pay cash. And that's a really tough sale. And the reason you see commercial in particular getting interested is economics, of course. They're looking for cost savings. And when you can come in with a financing package and say all in, you're saving 15 or 20%, you see businesses getting really excited and leaning in. Um, when you come in and say, hey, you have to put cash down now and you're not going to see payback for multiple years because these things last 25 years. So you can have a great project ROI, but still not have a payback in the first you know, five years. Um, that's going to be really hard sell. So it's all about cost savings for commercial entities, and because it's all about you know month over month cost savings, it's largely about getting more and more financing into the space. Um, and just to compare to explain the difference on the other side, in residential you've got FICO scores, so you can go through a neighborhood with an iPad, put in some information, and figure out who you want to sell to. Getting comfortable and figuring out commercial entities from an underwriting perspective is just a lot more complex. You know that is very interesting. So you basically have identified a need and seeking to fill it. That's it. Yeah, well, congratulations for seeing that. And that, again, uh, you learned a lot by talking, listening to all those entrepreneurs for those several years, didn't you? Uh, an enormous amount, without a doubt. So uh, tell us, what are the uh, misconceptions that you find in uh, people looking at uh, commercial companies, uh, looking at solar projects? What, what, what often keeps them from, from doing this? Sure. I think some people, um, I mentioned earlier, solar has come down by 50% in cost over the last five years, which is fairly remarkable, right? That's like flat screen TV and iPhone level in terms of cost decreases. And I think a lot of folks either looked at it, you know, five years ago, or they know someone who put up solar five years ago and it maybe it really didn't pencil then when it was twice as expensive. And I think just, you know, understanding that the industry is changing really, really quickly, both in terms of cost, but frankly, also the quality and the the warranties that you can get on these things. So I think 
um, you know, just revisiting some assumptions made five or ten years ago is really important because this industry is just moving incredibly quickly. Um, you know, the other thing that I think we fight against a little bit is just a sense that if you're doing good, somehow you must be sacrificing something. Like it can't be both a great yield and a great investment and also driving clean energy and also delivering cost savings to the entity. Um, I think there's just a little bit of a, um, a natural tendency to wonder, you know, what's the, what's the catch? Um, so, you know, I think we fight against that as well. So these are notes here, Brian. Uh, what, what kind of protection does the uh, investor have? Are they secured by anything? These are companies or, or organizations, hospitals, et cetera. Uh, you know, how is the investor protected? Yeah, absolutely. So um, just to be clear, the, the funds are selling you a payment-dependent note. Again, the structure that Lending Club um, kind of created and is really well settled. The fund is then using that capital to go out and, and make loans. So they are loans that are going out to these commercial entities from the entity capitalized through the sale of these notes. And to your point, particularly going out and doing some of these smaller deal sizes, a half million dollar uh, project size, you know, request average for us, you really want to make sure you have some credit enhancement, some collateral that you can lean on if, God forbid, you know, we go through a downturn, let's say. And so what's really exciting about solar and particularly solar investing is that there is an emerging consensus, an emerging amount of data um, that says that these are really interesting assets in the case of default and in the case of needing to recover value for your investor. And what I think is um, not necessarily intuitive to everyone is you think of how you know capital equipment might be claimed and then sold or the way that an automotive loan might um, you know default and someone would take the car and try to sell it. And you think you might do that with solar because you think of it as hardware equipment. Um, actually, the best way to handle recovery, you know, if you have a loan, uh, God forbid they default, you take ownership of the asset, that's your collateral. You, what you actually want to do is try to sell the electricity, not sell the system itself. And if this system was built well and set up in a way where it's going to deliver cost-effective electricity to a building over the course of 20 or 25 years, then you should be able to sell that power in a cost-effective way and cover your liabilities to your investor. And so Solar City actually in 2014 released uh, a securitization. It was a residential portfolio, but they released data that said that they were getting 81 cents on the dollar, all things included, all costs included, back to their investors in the case of default. So they were, you know, if they had a 10% default rate and 80% recovery, they only had a 2% loss rate, right? Which is pretty incredible credit hedge, right? Pretty incredible credit enhancement um, if you can achieve that kind of recovery. Uh, and that's how they were doing it. They were selling the electricity. And so we are uh, collateralizing the systems in all cases. We have the only claim against it. We're perfecting that collateral. And then we are set up to step in and sell the electricity in the case that, God forbid, the commercial entity defaults. So, Brian, we are uh, sitting on the expectation of rising interest rates. Do you see rising interest rates as being helpful to you or hurtful? Yeah, you know, it's a really interesting question, and we were actually kind of having this um, – we were kind of laughing uh, in our in our offices talking about this earlier this week that, um, you know, you always see the, the, like, mortgage folks on the radio where if it's low, like, get in today, and if it's rising, it's lock it in before it goes up, right? So there's always kind of a sales pitch that you can make as someone that, that loans, particularly at fixed rates, um, depending on where the what the rate environment is doing, right? Um, right. I think more broadly, what what it speaks to is, you know, the sh 
strength of just being a platform that matches what the loans deliver to what your investors are getting, as opposed to being one of these folks that needs to get really cheap capital from their investors, and they make money between that and the spread of the debt portfolio, because you know in that case, the cost of capital comes up, can they support it? I think that's a tenuous place to be in rising interest rates. You know, for us, if cost of capital goes up, then we increase the loan value, right? We go out and do higher rate loans. And, you know, if rates are going up, then commercial borrowers in particular are going to be savvy to the fact that, you know, they're going to be paying a little bit more for debt. So, um, you know, we think as someone that's kind of a matching of borrowers and um, and capital that uh, it doesn't introduce a lot of challenges. But I would say to investors out there, when you're looking at folks that they make their money on the spread, not in origination fees and servicing like we do, um, those folks might be challenged. And that all makes sense. So are there any tax benefits to the distribution of, uh, of, the, of the interest or the dividends that you pay out on these notes to the investors? No, unfortunately, Congress, in all their wisdom, um, made the solar tax credit usable by about 1% of the U.S. population. So um, if we were capturing the tax credits for our funds, then only about 1% or 2% at most of our investors would be able to use them. And um, just to be specific about that, you can only use the investment tax credit from solar against passive income, which is neither regular income or investment income. It is typically when you own a property or a um, business that you spend less than 100 hours a year on. Um, That is described as passive income, and that's the only uh, tax liability that you can use these credits against. So um, that is a very unfortunate dynamic of these tax credits. Now, the beauty of being a commercial lender is that unlike individuals, commercial entities can use the tax credit against regular income. So our borrowers, in almost all cases, can use the investment tax credit, whereas our investors disproportionately cannot. Interesting. Well, I'm sure that's the only uh, thing that's ever been overlooked by by Congress here. Oh, absolutely. When someone invests in this here, Brian, in in one of your Mm -hmm. notes, they're getting a pool of different projects. Uh, about how many projects are, th- are they participating? Yeah, so uh, we'll typically keep a fund open for about a year. And um, the one that we closed in October of um, 2017, which was the last to close, had about 50 projects. Oh, okay. Okay. So, the, so there is broad diversification. And, and uh, are you doing this throughout the country? Are you focused primarily in the West or the Midwest or something like that? Where are you? We're really focused, you know, going back to what gets businesses excited is saving money, right? And so, so we're, we're in the places, we're in the states where uh, it's some combination of, number one, expensive power. That's the number one factor. If you pay a lot for power, even if it's fairly cloudy where you are, we can probably deliver you cost savings. Um, and, you know, obviously there's some dynamic in, let's say, the southeast where the sun, the amount of sun does come into consideration. There are, um, it used to be really when solar was more expensive, we talked about the cost a few times. A few years ago, it was really just California and parts of New England that had really expensive power. Um, what's exciting is now it's maybe 15 or 20 states, depending on where you want to draw that line, that solar really makes economic sense in. You can come in and deliver a financing package and give them cost savings. Um, but, you know, what's also exciting about that is that means there's, you know, 30 to 35 states that aren't yet cost effective. But as solar gets cheaper and cheaper uh, on this technology cost curve, will really open up. So. That's kind of the fun five to 10 year story in the solar market is we're really only seeing about 15 uh, of the states right now uh, being penetrated well by solar. 
You know, Brian, this is very interesting. We've had uh, close to 300 interviews on our show, all on alternative investments and uh, next to nothing on solar. And uh, you're just really opening our minds here and, and creating a vision of this opportunity because I've never seen solar as an investment opportunity for anybody. Uh, I, I presume that RIAs and family offices and even retail investors uh, are getting excited about this stuff. Thank you so much. Yeah, I mean, you know, we're uh, terribly biased. We're all drinking the Kool-Aid here at, uh, <laughs> here at Wonder. So uh, it's, it's, it's hard to tell how much uh, other folks are getting excited. But, you know, I think to your point, what's been tough about solar is there's some really great trend lines at the, at the macro level, at the market level. But you look at some of the participants that you can invest in, and let's say the stock market, and you know they're winner-take-all markets. The margins are tough, and it's just a good reminder that just because an industry is doing really well doesn't mean the competitors in that industry might be right doing all that well. And I think we've seen a tough ride in the public markets for basically betting on who's going to build the systems, so the solar cities, the Vivens, et cetera, or who's going to make the panels that they build the systems with. Both of which, again, I think hard to predict, really competitive. Um, what's exciting, I think, about what we're doing and some other folks are doing is putting you on the other side of that, which is, okay, the system's built. We're not trying to monetize, you know, selling the system. We're trying to get into this game of a 25-year asset that generates really valuable electricity and a much kind of steadier, different risk profile than I think what most of the opportunities that people have had, frankly, in solar uh, are. So I think that's where it's been nice. I think people are excited about solar. They want to find a, a way to invest. And, you know, we just allow them to be in a very different position than, you know, having a, a equity investment into one of the companies I mentioned. Yeah. And, and that all uh, would appear to make sense. So a question we like to ask all of our guests here, Brian, what keeps you awake? We're talking about the subsidies. It is the case that there are, there are some markets where um, those subsidies continue to be helpful. And on the one hand, every single energy generation uh, market in this country gets significant subsidy. So it'd be odd if, if solar uh, didn't have any. But I think it's fair to say that solar still has another few years where it could be slowed down or accelerated, uh, depending on how those things come out. And that, that's really about it. You know, the, the technology cost curve that makes solar cheaper has been going for 40 years. We are excited to be galvanizing this portion of the market, but just see a lot of other great players where, you know, God forbid we don't succeed in our efforts and scale and vision. Um, seems like the industry will continue to march forward. So we don't see a lot of existential threat, but um, we are watching closely what's going on at the, the federal and state and local level to make sure that uh, we're putting our investors into localities and projects that sell economically. And part of that is, you know, what kind of regulations and subsidies are, are applicable. Okay. We appreciate that, uh, that candor and, and that response. Second question, Brian, we'd like to ask all of our uh, guests is, what book on investing would you recommend to our listeners? Oh, I saw this one that you sent along, and this is a tough one, but I am good to narrow it down to one. Um, but I think I am going to go with Anti-Fragile by Nassim Taleb, um, which outlines, Nassim Taleb is best known for his book, The Black Swan. Right. Um, and uh, Anti-Fragile is his third book that really wraps up the ideas of Black Swan and kind of moves it forward a little bit. So it kind of encapsulates all of that and um, is the, the, the final work uh, on that space by Taleb. And the work is all around the way in which we perceive probabilities and edge cases and some of the core applications of statistics and core understandings of statistics. 
um, that for me really changed the way that I think about risk and how I interact with it in the world. Well, great. Uh, you know, I, uh, that's the, I think you're the first one to recommend that book, although others have recommended others of his books. And I was actually to, uh, I was able to make it through the Black Swan, although I had my dictionary with me the whole time. And uh, very, very interesting ideas. And again, he kind of turns the world, uh, you know, uh, looking at it, as everybody says, with it, through a different paradigm. So uh, very interesting. Appreciate you recommending that book. So give us the website and contact information for those who would like to know more about Wonder Capital and how you guys provide this financing for commercial solar energy projects. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Um, so we're www.wondercapital.com. Uh, spell it however you want to. It'll all come to our website. Um, okay. And uh, people can reach out directly to me. Um, I'm accessible. So uh, it's Brian, B-R-Y-A-N, at wondercapital.com. Um, again, spell it however you want. It'll all get to my inbox. And um, if people are, are out on the social web, I uh, participate with some regularity on Twitter at, at Bursic, B-I-R-S-I-C. So you can find me all of those three places. Okay, Brian, uh, thank you very much. So final words for our listeners here. Yeah, I think final words uh, from us would just be um, trying to look past what the um, you know easy options are to put your capital to work and See if there's some places that um, you know you can do some things that you care about, whether it's solar or something else. It's a really exciting kind of birth of a lot of new options because of this 2012 Jobs Act in large part. I think a lot of folks don't know what's out there. And so if you care about something, if you'd like to take some portion of your portfolio and make sure it's having an impact, um, look around, see what you can find, because a lot of our colleagues in different spaces, along with what we're doing in solar, have some really exciting options that when I talk to investors, I hear they largely just don't know of. Very interesting. Well, Brian, thank you very much. As again, uh, you have opened our eyes and and uh, given us a greater vision of the opportunities and what you guys do. Appreciate you joining us today and offer our best wishes for your continued success there. Thanks so much, Charlie. It was great. Again, we've been talking with Brian Bursick, founder and CEO of Wonder Capital. You've been listening to Strategic Investor Radio on OC Talk Radio. You can contact us by info at strategicinvestorradio.com or go to our website to hear podcasts of all of our interviews and shows strategicinvestorradio.com i'm charlie wright like to thank you for joining us today and wishing you an enjoyable week and productive investing strategic investor radio is a production of oc talk radio and is provided for educational purposes only Content of this program and the views of the guests should not be considered as recommendations by OC Talk Radio or investment advice from the host, Charlie Wright, or any other entity attached to this production. Investors should always consult qualified financial, investment, tax, or legal professionals prior to investing. 